1: Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss how much speed matters when it comes to accessing data. Joining us is David Finkelstein, who is the co-founder and CEO of BDEX, which is the first and only real-time data exchange platform, which provides instant access to consumer activities only seconds after it's transpired, enabling limitless data sellers to offer their data for purchase to the exact data buyer seeking critical information in real time. And today, David and I are going to discuss the future of data-driven marketing. Okay, here's my conversation with David Finkelstein, co-founder and CEO of BDEX. David, welcome to the MarTech Podcast.
2: Hi, welcome. Thank you very much for having me.
1: Excited to have you here on the show. Excited to talk a little bit about crunching some numbers, hopefully lots of numbers, lots of data. The data landscape is obviously changing with the rise of the digital revolution Everyone's got a smartphone in their pocket. We're constantly seeing ads, making purchases. Our event data is always being logged and captured. Obviously, a very hotly discussed topic. Talk to me about how you see where we've been in the data collection landscape and where are we today?
2: So the landscape, if you think about it, people have been collecting data forever. If you look back 20, 30 years ago, data was collected on consumers and it was just really sold as lists. Today, it's evolved to something that's obviously much more dynamic than that, where rather than selling just lists, companies are able to collect data in real time and they're able to act on that data in near real time. So I think that we're entering a point where the opportunities are becoming endless on how we can use this data because of the way the technology is advanced.
1: There's obviously been more data that's been collected There's different types of activities. There's also all of our digital activities. So it used to be, hey, I know somebody's name, address, and phone number. I have their data. Now it's where they are, at what point, what their purchase behavior is, what affinity groups. And juxtaposed against that is this notion of consumer privacy, which is obviously becoming more and more of a talking point in marketing circles. As the collection and use of data is expanding, you said that the application of data is becoming limitless. How do you think about some of the trends and direction we're heading in terms of data collection and usage against some of the privacy backlash that's been happening?
2: Yeah, I think that it comes down to morals and ethics in many ways. So when it comes to data collection, I think that the companies that are collecting data have sort of an ethical responsibility on how that data is used. Obviously, there's been some issues in the past Facebook had to deal with with Cambridge Analytica where data was not being used ethically, it wasn't being collected in an open manner and it wasn't being used in an open manner. But I think that when I look at it, I look at using data in a morally ethical way that data can be used in a very powerful way, improving the consumer experience. And I think that I always use the example of TV advertising. And there's so much TV advertising that is just not targeted well, right? Uh, You see an ad for car commercials pretty much every day, right? But you're not in the market to buy a new car every day. So the idea of being able to use data to improve that targeting, I think will enhance the consumer experience.
1: I think that's always the marketer's hope. And there's also the idea that, Without the use of data, marketing is going to become less efficient and more expensive. So there's not only the application for consumers, which hopefully makes the advertising that they're seeing more relevant, which means we don't have to serve as much of it, but it also means that we're going to be able to keep our costs down, hopefully keep our jobs as marketers. As you see the data landscape evolving, talk to me a little bit about the direction you think we're going. What does the future of data look like to you?
2: So from my perspective, I think that the goal here with using data is obviously to improve the consumer experience. And there's a real opportunity to do that right now where it didn't exist previously. And if it's done well, then I think that there are other industries that will eventually catch up like TV industry. I think TV industry is way behind still, but they'll be forced to catch up. And look, everybody today wants sort of, everybody talks about the new generation of everybody wants everything immediately. So by using data to understand consumers better and therefore reach them better with what we often say is the right offer at the right time. And by doing that, I think that consumers will be better served by brands and retailers so that they get a better experience and a better relationship with those brands.
1: So, people are becoming increasingly impatient. Our expectation is that when we order something online, it should be at our door in two days or less. Our groceries should be delivered to us. If I want some sort of social gratification, I post a photo online and I'm sitting there refreshing my feed until everybody on the planet likes it. Obviously, moving in real time matters. Talk to me a little bit about what BDEX does and how are you thinking about data collection and the usage of data?
2: What we're doing that is looking at it in a little different way is that we kind of took the approach of if data was treated in a way similar to stocks, then it could be traded on an exchange. And that's really what we built, what we call our platform, a data exchange platform. The idea is as data becomes available, it is sent into the exchange and buyers can consume that data in near real time. And that, I believe, will enable ultimately for people to gain access to that data more quickly and therefore be able to reach consumers at that right time. Again, getting rid of the lag that exists and giving people the instant gratification that they're looking for.
1: So when you say that you envision data being exchanged like stocks, what what I think of, I guess, two different things. One, a marketplace where you can go and pick and choose which data you want to acquire. And so that means some sort of a universal data hub or exchange. And then second, the ability to speculate on what the value of data is. When you talk about the use, the stock exchange metaphor, are you more thinking about the universal platform for exchange or people are actually going to be able to buy data and watch its value increase?
2: So our perspective was sort of just based on the platform and the ability to exchange the data. But the idea that one could speculate on the future value of data, to me, is very interesting. And it is something that we've thought about internally. We've actually even gone so far as, at one point, putting data segments on a ticker symbol across our screen because you could follow the value of it as buyers and sellers are exchanging the data.
1: It's a really interesting idea and I'm just going through my head. I'm like, God, if you could buy data and just assume what data's value is going to increase over time, I'd be placing bets on location data, event data, podcast data, like industries that are still developing or mediums where data has been underutilized. What do you see being the data that's valuable and what data do you think that will be more valuable in the future?
2: So we're definitely following trends internally on what we call behavioral and intent data. And we believe that that today has the most value and will continue to have the most value going forward. So behavioral and intent data is basically showing consumers' behaviors, what they're doing or their intents, for example, an intent to buy a new car or a new home or something like that. Being able to identify those intents as they're happening is super valuable to those brands that are trying to reach them.
1: It makes sense that knowing when somebody is not necessarily interested in the car that you're selling, but ready to buy the car you're selling, that seems like a pretty critical thing to know when you're trying to sell a car.
2: Yeah. And there's certain data points that you look at for that. Someone doing a search online for a vehicle and pricing and things like that, going to specific sites that do those things, knowing that they have a lease that's about to expire, even through geolocation data, seeing that someone has visited a car dealership recently in conjunction with any of those other signals, super valuable.
1: I'd say knowing that somebody's about to have a baby, we're in the market for a car that has seating for seven Mm -hmm. because a regular old SUV, you can't get anybody other than two kids and two parents and actually have luggage if you want to go on a vacation. If anybody has a great deal on a seven seater, give me a shout. (laughs) That said, what data do you see as losing value? I bet you that the actual historical purchases are probably going to be less value as intent data becomes more valuable. What your previous buying behavior was probably matters less.
2: That's certainly that, except it will follow trends. For example, if you bought a car three years ago and you have a lease that's about to expire, knowing that you bought that car three years ago and this lease is about to expire, conjunction together creates intent. But definitely what we are seeing in the marketplace is basic demographic data is losing value because it's too widespread. It's too common.
1: So we're going to short our demographic data. We're going to go long on intent data. As you start thinking about building this platform in the exchange, a special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex, ready to take your team from I think to I know Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutenex. Mutinx Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutenex, go to Co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X.co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. <phone rings> Talk to me a little bit about why the speed of data exchange matters and where are you actually seeing significant improvements? But you know, Most of the time, I'm assuming that you can get access to data in relatively real time. It sounds like that's not the case.
2: No, most of the data that is in the marketing ecosystem is in what they call audience groups. And those audience groups are comprised often of data that is gathered from multiple sources. It could be basically models that are created that are, become sort of propensity models that are predicting that someone may be interested in this or that. And those take time to build. So those models, those audience groups typically take 30, 60, or 90 days to build. So that's how frequently they're updated. So actually, when you look at a typical audience group, which is the typical data that someone's using for advertising online, that data is old. So, it just doesn't have nearly the same value as real time behavioral data.
1: So, walk me through the buying process when you're thinking about acquiring data and it being real time data is something that's going to impact your decision. What's the process for validating that the data is in real time? How do you go about finding the right data sources?
2: That's difficult. I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds of companies, thousands of companies out there that are collecting data. We have a very scrutinizing process that we go through with our data partners before they're even able to sell data in our platform. We do rigorous checks of the quality of the data, how it's being collected, privacy and data usage rights, all that kind of stuff, before we even let them sell data into our exchange. So when you're talking about trying to acquire data, if you're a brand, you're a retailer, or you're trying to do this on your own, it's a lot of work, and you don't always know what you're getting until it comes in. So I think what we're trying to do with the exchange is ease that process. We're doing all that vetting process ahead of time, bringing the data into the exchange, and we're able to clearly tag what data is coming in, in real time, what's coming updated once a week or once a month or whatever.
1: So one of the things that I've thought about doing to help our programmatic and social advertising retargeting campaigns is actually buying some data for people that have attended marketing and technology events. If I'm going to go buy a data set, help me think about, A, where I go, what's the amount of data, and what's the price that I should be paying to acquire that data?
2: I think for data like that, there's a couple of different types of resources there's a lot of brokers out there that are brokering data sets of people that have gone to certain events. That's typically where one would get that data. Although looking in any of the DMP or DSP platforms, there are audience groups that are built based on that data. The pricing that you typically would pay for that, if you're doing it for typical online marketing, you'd probably be looking at anywhere's from a $2 to a $6 CPM, but you're not buying that data. In the scenario that you're giving, if you're going out and you're looking to acquire that data, in most platforms, you're leasing that data. You're not really buying it. So in that case, you're using the data for ad purposes and you're paying a CPM rate for every ad impression that you're displaying. We're a data acquisition platform. So in our platform, you're actually buying that data and then you can deploy it as a first-party audience across a myriad of platforms.
1: That's interesting. With some data platforms, you're renting or leasing the data as opposed to buying it firsthand. Walk me through what the difference is between the two scenarios.
2: Yeah. In a typical scenario, most cases when you're doing online advertising, you're leasing data. Essentially what that means is there's some owner of that data out there. They're putting it into a platform. And then you're saying, I'm going to go and create an ad campaign, and I want to use your data to target it. And essentially, you're paying an ongoing percentage or amount on a CPM basis to the owner of that data for as long as you use that data.
1: So essentially, the idea is that you're paying for the usage of the data, but you, I'm dumbing this down, don't get to download it yourself. You don't get to put it on your laptop and say, hey, here's my data set. I can go put this wherever I want to. There basically is a usage limit and a discrete use case where it can be applied.
2: Correct. With our platform, we do these things a little differently. We're enabling our customers to acquire the data. And that gives them a lot more power, gives them the power to bring it into their internal platforms, whether it be a CRM, it allows them to push it into an advertising platform. If they want to do a marketing campaign, it also allows them to use it for direct mail if they want as well.
1: It's interesting. I'm on the BDEX platform here and you have the ability to search by keywords. So I typed in marketing and basically go through a couple of taxonomies and filters. And it looks like there's 900,000 count of data on the platform. So essentially for, if I'm doing the math right, a thousand bucks, I'm able to get access to a million records at a $1 CPM and I could use this wherever I want.
2: Yeah, essentially.
1: Why am I not doing this? (laughs) Good question. Okay. So, David, as we think about the usage of data, obviously, consumers are going to continue to buy and lease data to optimize their marketing campaigns. Let's talk about some of the usage where you're seeing the data being applied. You mentioned that you could feed data directly into your CRM and do lead generation. There's obviously performance marketing campaigns. What are some of the other creative usage of data that you're seeing in the marketplace and that you think will be important in the future?
2: For one we're helping a lot of brands understand their customers better. So knowing that you have a customer that bought a specific product is interesting, right? You have that data internally, but the more you can understand about what else the consumer is doing sort of outside your own ecosystem, it further helps you determine how you can segment your existing customers to target them for other products and or services. So that's certainly one thing that we're seeing. The other really interesting thing that we do a lot of is through our identity graph, helping brands and helping media companies reach consumers across their devices. That's a super valuable piece of information. You have multiple devices, everybody does, your phone, your tablet, your computer. These are all ways that they can interact with you So understanding that if they see you on one device, what other devices you have or what other touch points you have is super valuable for them to maintain a sort of cross-channel or cross-platform conversation with you.
1: I guess the last piece of the puzzle here is when you're thinking about the data that you're already collecting, how do you figure out what the value is today and how do you figure out if that data is going to be more valuable moving forward? So
2: in our platform, the price of the data is market-driven. Ultimately, the seller of that data has the ability to go in and say, okay, now that I'm selling data on VDEX, here's how much I want to sell this data for. Here's how much I want to sell that data for. Internally, our platform keeps track of that information. So we're able to see not only what each seller is proposing to sell their data for, but what price buyers are willing to pay as purchases go into the system. So the idea, much like a stock exchange, the idea would be that the market would decide the price based on buys and sells in the system.
1: So as you collect more data and more people are interested in monetizing the data that they've collected through their businesses, do you expect the value of data to go up to become more expensive or do you expect it to go down because there's a proliferation of data?
2: Certainly depends on the data. Some data value will go up, and I think that depends on all kinds of things from market conditions to what's going on in different industries, while other data segments, especially ones that are more readily available, will certainly go down in value.
1: Interesting. Okay. Lots to think about in terms of not only the usage of data, but also the value of it. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to David Finkelstein, co-founder and CEO of BDEX for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow, David and I are going to discuss the real possibilities of real-time data. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about David, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is bdex underscore David. It's B-D-E-X underscore D-A-V-I-D. Or you can visit his company's website, which is bdex.com just one more link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com. We have summaries of all of our episodes, contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our once a week newsletter. You can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D, on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. -J B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, In addition to part two of our conversation with David Finkelstein, co-founder and CEO of BDEX, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy.